Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 10, Episode 6, Nobunaga's Mantle Defeating Akechi Mitsuhide in battle did not bring Oda Nobunaga back from the dead. However, becoming the avenger of the Great Unifier had given Hashiba Hideyoshi a mountain of political capital. He would need that clout moving forward, because while the Oda clan had become very powerful thanks to their daimyo's successes on the battlefield and in the political arena, that power was no longer concentrated in one single person. It's impossible to say how things might have been different if Oda Nobutada, the eldest son of Nobunaga, had survived, but his death certainly raised the level of general uncertainty in the wake of Mitsuhide's attempted coup. Nobunaga had several more sons, but the two main claimants who were experienced enough to garner respect were his second son Nobukatsu and his third son Nobutaka. Hopefully you'll remember Nobukatsu's disastrous attempt at invading Iga province, which his father had only recently rectified. Nobutaka had fought against Iko Iki in Ki province, which was the southernmost province of Kansai, and was present at the Battle of Yamazaki. Neither of Nobunaga's primary claimants lacked their own base of influence. I mentioned previously that Nobukatsu had been made the head of the Kitabatake clan of southern Issei province through marriage, and via the same tactic, Nobutaka had been made the head of the Kambei clan, who held power in northern Issei province. While both had their own little clan to command, neither had the strength or influence to enforce their claim through force of arms. The question of Oda Nobunaga's rightful successor would be decided by the Oda clan retainers. It is easy to forget amid the sibling rivalry and succession drama that a samurai clan was more than just its head family. Retainers were very important, and we saw repeatedly throughout Sengoku Jidai that clever retainers often found ways to effectively subvert, usurp, and even replace their daimyos. The worst of the Warring States period was over, but Gekokujo still remained a potent tool for those intelligent enough to wield it effectively. Thus, after the Battle of Yamazaki, all eyes in the Oda clan looked to Hashiba Hideyoshi to see what would come next. He commanded the largest armies and his ranks were full of veterans straight from the Chugoku campaign. He was arguably chief among Oda Nobunaga's staunchest allies, loyal protectors, and most able commanders. Naturally, he did what any powerful man in feudal Japan would do in the face of such support. He called for the retainers to govern the Oda clan as a council. The meeting would be held at Kios Castle, the traditional historic seat of the Oda clan. While this council had the appearance of a neutral, fair playing field for the retainers to work out proper lines of succession, Hideyoshi already had a rough idea of which retainers would support which son, and he had made a plan to put forward his own candidate. As the liberations began, Shibata Katsuie made clear his support for Oda Nobutaka. Nobukatsu objected, and the entire meeting soon devolved into a shouting match between the two brothers and their supporters. Hideyoshi voiced no support for either party, but had been waiting for precisely this moment. Hashiba Hideyoshi left the council chambers and entered an adjoining room. In a truly theatrical maneuver, 
he returned to the bickering retainers with a two-year-old child in his arms. The precious young boy, whose presence caused a hush to fall over the room, was the child of the late Nobutada, and therefore the grandson of Nobunaga. His name was Samboshi, and he was Hideyoshi's choice for Nobunaga's rightful heir. Niwa Nagahide and Ikira Tsuneoki, two powerful Oda clan retainers, supported this choice, and the others, still divided over Nobukatsu and Nobutaka, gradually assented to this child heir. Hideyoshi using Samboshi was a brilliant maneuver, because his father Nobutada had been Nobunaga's fairly clear choice as heir, and thus the boy had a good blood claim. It also prevented a large-scale succession dispute, which would no doubt divide the clan, destroy what power they had gained, and ultimately undo Nobunaga's work in unifying central Japan. No one wanted that. In a conciliatory gesture to fellow retainer Shibata Katsuie, Hideyoshi agreed to have Oda Nobutaka named as Samboshi's guardian. While the matter of inheritance had been settled, at least officially, Hideyoshi knew that Katsuie was unhappy with this decision. Shibata Katsuie had been an official Oda clan retainer for most of his adult life, and had formerly avoided being executed for siding with Oda Nobuyuki when he and Nobunaga were quarreling over succession in the mid-1550s. Hideyoshi had also long served Oda Nobunaga, and the two men appear to have nurtured a rivalry in their later years. It is usually assumed that Katsuie disliked Hideyoshi's common origins, which is certainly possible. However, in this particular case, he began to grow suspicious about Hideyoshi's motivations. Japan had a long history of child rulers being manipulated or even overruled by those who were supposed to serve as protectors. He had some practical reasons for suspecting the ambitions of Hashiba Hideyoshi. Shortly after the Battle of Yamazaki ended, Hideyoshi initiated construction of a new fortified castle to be built atop the remains of Ishiyama Fortress. Given the latter's reputation as an impregnable stronghold which held off a siege for 11 years, Katsuye may have suspected that Hideyoshi was preparing for future conflict. The fortress would later be known as Osaka Castle. The modern Osaka Castle is made from reinforced concrete and includes elevators, but appearance-wise it is a fairly faithful recreation. In late 1582, Hashiba Hideyoshi was granted a mid-level rank by the imperial court. This was a supreme honor for someone born as a commoner, and his rivals within the Oda clan perceived this advancement as a sign that Hideyoshi's common birth would not be as big of a political stumbling block as they might hope. If the imperial court supported him just as they had nominally supported Nobunaga, he might very well be in position to commit Gekokujo against the Oda family, supplanting its ranking members with those loyal to himself. After the issue of rightful heir was decided, it was time to decide who governed what. Nobunaga's vast domain needed administration, and those who had fought for him deserved compensation. Hideyoshi kept control over Harima province, but was also granted Kawach, Tamba, and Yamashiro provinces as well. Oda Nobutaka was given Mino province, previously governed by the late Nobutada, and Shibata Katsuie was granted Nagahama Castle in Omi province. 
While this was also part of conciliating any sore feelings Katsuie was harboring over being outmaneuvered at the council, it also kept him close enough for Hideyoshi to keep an eye on him from neighboring Yamashiro province, where Kyoto lay. It made practical sense for Hashiba Hideyoshi to take a prominent position in the quadripartite council that now governed the Oda clan. As news spread of Oda Nobunaga's death, some factions outside the Oda domains saw an opportunity to test the waters and see whether the new leadership could oppose them. In ever-contentious Kanto, the Hojo and Uesugi clans decided to take advantage of the Oda clan's preoccupation over succession. They invaded Shinano and Kai provinces nearly simultaneously, and the shock of the sudden incursion was enough to drive the Oda-appointed provincial governors into a panicked flight to the safety of Owari. One high-ranking retainer stayed behind in Kozuke province and prepared to defend against the invading Hojo. Takigawa Kazumasu, whom we briefly discussed a few times before, previously spearheaded the annexation of Issei province and had stood by Tokugawa Ieyasu's side at the disastrous battle of Mikatagahara. He was no stranger to difficult situations, but the coming storm was especially large, and he probably had some idea that victory would be difficult to achieve. Under his command were 18,000 loyal troops, but they faced off against a massive Hojo host of 55,000. Their armies met at a place called Kanagawa, near the border of Kozuke and Musash provinces. Predictably, Kazumasu's army was defeated in the engagement, but he organized a retreat which saved the bulk of his force, perhaps 14,000, and the Hojo were uninterested in pursuit. Now that the three provinces of Shinano, Kai, and Kozuke had been abandoned by their previous overlords, the Hojo rushed to seize control, hoping to gain whatever they could before the Uesugi and Tokugawa did likewise. Anyone want to guess where the Hojo faced off against the Uesugi forces once they ventured into northern Shinano? If you guessed Kawanakajima, the site of five or six previous battles between the Uesugi and the Takeda clan, then you are correct. Thankfully, this confrontation did not result in yet another battle of Kawanakajima, but the Uesugi came to terms quickly with the Hojo, securing a promise that they would not venture into the Uesugi domains with their massive army. Although this was arguably an ideal moment to crush their longtime enemies, the Hojo were more interested in grabbing up land. However, the Tokugawa clan had not been idle and had managed to march an army into Kai province, seizing Shimpu castle for themselves and preparing for a confrontation with the Hojo army. Though they could not match the Hojo clan's numbers, the Tokugawa did have the advantage of having arrived in Kai province first. Small warbands split off from the main Tokugawa force and engaged in ambushes, traps, and other methods of irregular warfare against the Hojo army. None of these mini-battles resulted in massive casualties, but it was enough to unnerve the Hojo forces to the point where Hojo Ujinao, the army's leader and heir to the Hojo clan, decided to make peace with the Tokugawa rather than continue a destructive and pointless war. As part of the peace arrangement, Tokugawa Ieyasu's daughter Tokuhime was married to Hojo Ujinao. 
In light of Nobunaga's assassination and the clear acts of war just committed by the Hojo clan, I have to wonder whether Tokugawa Ieyasu was interested in more than simply making peace with his neighbors. Unlike the other high-ranking Oda clan retainers, he had yet to make the trip to Hideyoshi to confirm his support of the new Oda clan heir. Was this marriage treaty between his own clan and the Hojo potentially a stepping stone for a stronger alliance that might challenge Hideyoshi's hegemony over the central provinces? It's impossible to say for certain, but in light of events which we will discuss in the following episode, I can't say that such a plan was out of the question entirely. Meanwhile, back in central Honshu, Takigawa Kazumasu was leading his defeated troops to safety in Owari, and word of the Hojo clan's actions was starting to trickle in. Hashiba Hideyoshi no doubt understood that such actions warranted a severe and decisive response, but at the moment he had bigger problems. In spite of his position as guardian to his nephew, the heir to Oda Nobunaga's throne, Oda Nobutaka was unhappy with the arrangement and was starting to approach the other top Oda retainers about staging a rebellion against Hideyoshi. The third son of Nobunaga found a sympathetic ear in Shibata Katsuie, who was also dissatisfied with Hideyoshi's elevation in the aftermath of Nobunaga's death. Katsuie and Nobutaka enjoyed a very warm relationship, and in fact Katsuie had hosted Nobutaka's Genpuku, or coming-of-age ceremony. To further cement Katsuie's loyalty to the Oda clan, Nobutaka also arranged for a marriage between Katsuie and his aunt, Oichi. You may recall from last season that Oichi, sister of Nobunaga, had been married to Azai Nagamasa, but that their union ended when he died, defending his castle from Oda clan troops. At Nobutaka's urging, Shibata Katsuie hatched a plan which he believed would destroy Hideyoshi and eliminate his influence from the future Oda clan. From Katsuie's newly assigned home base in southern Omi province, he was somewhat surrounded. In northern Omi, a series of castles had been awarded to vassals loyal to Hideyoshi, like Nakagawa Kiyohide and Takayama Shigetomo. This was a common strategy which Hideyoshi would employ in the future, giving potentially troublesome retainers a sweet reward and also ensuring that the reward itself was heavily guarded on the periphery by his loyal followers. Thus, the first move in this great game was a diversionary attack led by Oda Nobutaka against Okagi Castle in eastern Mino province in May of 1583. Hideyoshi raised an army of about 20,000 and marched on Ogaki. Nobutaka withdrew his forces to his seat at Gifu Castle, where he hoped Hideyoshi would lay siege while phase two of the plan could fall into place. In addition to Nagahama Castle in Omi province, Katsuie also controlled Echizen province to the north of Omi. He was known to have a keen strategic mind, and opting to seize the castles in northern Omi was a logical first step to creating a united front from which he could then pursue a war against Hideyoshi to his south without worrying about attacks at his army's rear. He called upon the services of his nephew and fellow longtime retainer Sakuma Morimasa, who had previously pursued war against the Rokkaku clan of Omi province and was likely placed in command of this effort to utilize his experience fighting in Omi. Morimasa began assaulting the castles in northern Omi, 
which were called Iwasaki-yama, Tagami, and Shizugatake. The castle Iwasaki-yama fell to a concerted assault, and its castellan Nakagawa Kiyohide was executed by Sakuma Morimasa's forces. Shizugatake Fortress was proving more difficult, so Morimasa concentrated his entire army on taking it. Katsuie planned to consolidate Omi province and then call upon his fellow retainers to destroy the wicked Hideyoshi and support Oda Nobutaka's claim to chieftainship of the Oda clan. Word came to Hideyoshi that Takayama Shigetomo was besieged at Shizugatake and rather than pursue Nobutaka at Gifu Castle, he decided to change course. Shibata Katsuie, dictating these events from afar, received a report that Hideyoshi was planning to march on Shizugatake from Ogaki, a journey that could be accomplished by foot in three days' time. He sent orders to his nephew to withdraw into Echizen province, where they would unite with his own army and fight Hideyoshi together, but Sakuma Morimasa ignored this command, believing that he could take the fortress by assault before Hideyoshi arrived in three days. In Japanese military history, there are few mistakes less forgiving than underestimating Hashiba Hideyoshi, especially when the matter at hand is speed. I will admit, it seems strange that a seasoned commander like Sakuma Morimasa would have failed to learn the lesson offered by the previous daimyo who'd gone up against Hideyoshi and lost. But lessons are not always clear in the immediate aftermath of a battle, and Hideyoshi's strategy of forced marching on an enemy to gain the element of surprise was not without considerable risks. Exhausted warriors do not fight as well as those who are well-rested. In this case, however, he knew his attack could be supported by Takayama Shigetomo's garrison, who would be eager to avenge their compatriots. Thanks to Hideyoshi's forced march, what was normally a three-day journey took only six hours. While this is an impressive pace for a distance of 50 miles, Hideyoshi's 20,000 were all mounted cavalry. Nevertheless, a surprise is a surprise, and when Sakuma Morimasa's scouts reported that a massive body of cavalry was approaching their siege lines, Morimasa had no choice but to break off the siege and prepare for an open field battle. The ensuing fight was a disaster for Shibata Katsuie's cause, as Sakuma Morimasa's men were quickly overwhelmed by Hideyoshi's spirited cavalry charge. The battle went so poorly for Katsuie's partisans that they could not organize a decent retreat, and the entire affair turned into a disastrous rout. Hideyoshi's army followed his foes into Echizen province and soon surrounded Kitanosho Castle, where Katsuie himself was ensconced. A concerted siege commenced, and in three days the castle had been breached. In the face of certain defeat, Katsuie begged his new wife Oichi to flee the fortress with her three daughters. She sent her daughters out, but refused to leave his side. In spite of the political nature of their marriage, it appears that she nurtured a powerful love for Katsuie, and could not bring herself to abandon another husband to the fires of war. Katsuie accepted her decision and granted her a quick death, stabbing her in the heart. He likewise executed several members of his household staff who would be subject to rape and slavery once the conquest was complete. Then he opened the sliding doors of the highest floor in Kitanosho Castle and committed seppuku in full view of both armies while his fortress burned 
and his loyalists died at the hands of Hideyoshi's forces. Thus ended the Battle of Shizugatake. What was originally planned to be a long, difficult campaign by Shibata Katsuie was instead resolved within a few days. Oda Nobutaka chose to surrender. He was sent to a monastery in Owari province, and it was made clear to him that he was expected to commit suicide. He did so, and in his death poem he accused Hashiba Hideyoshi of killing the one he was supposed to serve, which some Latter-day historians point to as evidence of a larger plot surrounding the assassination of Nobunaga. This particular theory claims that either Akech Mitsuhide and Hashiba Hideyoshi were working in concert, and that Hideyoshi then betrayed Mitsuhide, or alternatively that the imperial court recruited Mitsuhide only to later abandon him in favor of Hideyoshi, who was aware of the plot. I don't find Nobutaka's death poem very convincing as evidence of any such conspiracy, and think it far more likely that he was either implying that Hideyoshi had betrayed Nobunaga by raising arms against his son, or that he wrote the words out of spite, hoping to besmirch Hideyoshi's reputation. While the Battle of Shizugatake may seem like a minor engagement when compared to other battles we've discussed during this period, it was still an extremely decisive event that deserves coverage. It does represent a great what-if moment in Japanese history, as the end result could have been very different if Sakuma Morimasa had obeyed orders and the bulk of the pro-Nobutaka army had remained intact. Katsuie and Morimasa were far from the only Oda clan retainers who disliked the idea of Hideyoshi's hegemony, and a prolonged war may have drawn more powerful daimyo to Nobutaka's banner and even do the unthinkable and defeat Hashiba Hideyoshi. Deserving of special mention in this engagement is the Uesugi clan, whose new daimyo Kagekatsu decided that submitting to Hideyoshi was far safer than continuing their opposition. The clan itself had become weakened from infighting, and Kagekatsu assisted in the Battle of Shizugatake, which earned him Hideyoshi's official sponsorship as daimyo and confirmation of his lands. Not every potential ally had come to Hideyoshi's aid, however, and the fact that they did not take this opportunity to prove loyalty was a cause for concern. One former Oda ally in particular had been unnervingly silent since the death of Nobunaga and controlled a vast swath of provinces in Chubu, Tokugawa Ieyas. His absence had been noticed, and Hideyoshi was beginning to suspect that Ieyasu was planning a military incursion of his own. In fact, he was, but we will discuss their thoroughly polite dust-up in the next episode. By the summer of 1583, Hashiba Hideyoshi was effectively the master of 30 provinces stretching from western Chugoku to eastern Chubu, with practically all of Kansai in between. While the child Samboshi may have been named as Oda Nobunaga's official heir, it was obvious to any observer that Hashiba Hideyoshi, a commoner who begun his military career as a foot soldier, had taken over the mantle of Nobunaga. Next time, we will discuss what came next when Tokugawa Ieyasu raised an army and faced off against Hideyoshi in the area of Japan where I used to live. Until then, thank you for listening. If you would like access to exclusive bonus episodes, as well as ad-free versions of the regular episodes, 
Please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com/a history of Japan. 